0: Log Talk Radio.
1: I don't mind if
0: you got something
1: nice to say about me. And I enjoy an accolade like the rest. And you could take my picture and
2: hang it in. Good morning, and welcome to Solutions Live Business Edition. I'm your host, Chickie Fitzgerald, coming to you from Tampa, Florida. Solutions Live provides practical advice from authors and experts on a wide range of topics for professionals to help you leave your legacy. It is Tuesday, April 28th, and we have a terrific lineup today. Uh, We have actually Girl's Day. Our first guest is going to be Linda Samuels, um, who uh, you will hear all about her company Billionaire Babies uh, at 10 o'clock. At 10.30, we're going to be talking to Marcy Blakowiak about her book, Uh, No Glass Ceiling, Just Blue Sky, and she's going to be talking to us about leadership. At 11 o'clock, we will be hearing from Sam Horn, the author of the book, Pop, and she is just has an amazing gift of distilling down uh, marketing messages into just really powerful phrases. And then at eleven thirty, our show on entrepreneurship, corporate escape artists, we have Tevis Trower joining us. So let me just get my co-host on the air. Good morning, Chris.
1: Good morning, Chickie.
2: <laughs> How are things in Dallas,
1: Texas, this morning? Oh, except for having been woken up really, really bright and early by um, Yoshi, which is my German Shepherd, who decided that something was amiss. Everything Everything's wonderful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, great. Do you still have another dog in your house?
1: Yes, we do, but he's nice and
2: calm. <laughs> oh, good, good, good. Well, uh, I am going to jump right in and get our guest on the air, so hang on just one second. Good morning, Linda. Well, good morning. How are you doing?
3: I am doing awesome. It's a pleasure to be here.
2: Well, great. We are really looking forward to it. I'd like to to introduce you to my co-host, Chris Bradshaw, and we are just going to have a great time today. Uh, one of the things that attracted me to you, Linda, um, initially I had been looking for guests for our Thursday show, which is about giving, and you had sent me a really interesting story about one of the uh, one of the children, I guess. I I think she uh, actually started her first business when she was four years old, um, and, and and that story just intrigued me. And then as I started digging into uh, your organization, which is called Billionaire Babies, I thought, wow, we actually need to have this on our innovation show because you clearly have a heart for both innovation and giving and philanthropy, and, uh, you know, you just are in touch with some amazing children. So why don't you tell us uh, a bit about your background and a bit about why you started Billionaire Babies?
3: be happy to do that. Uh, my background is that I was a classroom teacher, actually, for almost 30 years in a private
1: school system, and,
3: oh, I was in the Hall of Fame for Science Educators, I got a presidential award, and
1: mm-hmm. I wrote a
3: book called Girls Can Succeed in Science. So I'm all about
2: young oh, really? people
3: succeeding. Yes, um, I caught at a fill in print? Pool. Yes, it is. It definitely is. You can get it right on Amazon.
0: Oh, cool.
3: Yes, it's my it's my life's work. It's about what works and what doesn't for um, for young women in the classroom to empower them so that they're not afraid of science and actually not afraid to to be whatever oh. they want to be. Um, Very cool. then yeah, then I went back. I In 2001, I decided it was time to do something else, so I went back to school myself. Um, I got an MBA. So now I've put the two together, and, and I've created this entrepreneurial mindset myself, and I thought, my goodness, we, we teach a lot of great things in schools, but we don't teach anything about starting your own business and managing your own finances and learning financial wherewithal. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely.
3: So I started working on this. It took me about a year to build the infrastructure, um, but my passion is to to give kids a different option. Um, we we teach them to get good jobs and we give them a great education, but we don't um, we don't create that mindset um, of independence and of of making your own money.
2: Well, you're absolutely right, and you know it's so funny. And, and I think I shared with you when we had our first talk next Friday. My daughter's. Um, fifth grade class is going to something called Enterprise Village uh, here in the Tampa area. And it's a joint venture between about, I don't know, 15 or 20 different businesses. So everything from, uh, you know, the local banks to McDonald's to, um, you know, real estate companies. And they actually set up a work environment for the kids to come through and they have to apply for a job. Um, my daughter was filling out her job application uh, the other night, and she wanted to apply for the job as, as the attorney for the village. And she put as her experience that she was skilled at uh, negotiating uh, problem resolution.
4: And it was Excellent. so funny because
2: a few hours later she and her brother were arguing about something, and I said, Kira, if you're going to put this on your job application, it has to be true. So you need to go outside and sit down with Sergey and work this through. And it is just so marvelous to watch. So I'm going into their class tomorrow uh, to talk about it. And the kids who filled out the workbook for it um, the top three grades, I'm going to actually interview those kids on the radio show before they go to Enterprise Village about what they think about what it takes to run a business. And then we're going to interview the same kids after to see what they really learned in working all day. So I can see why you're so passionate about this, Linda, because even though this is just a school project for my daughter, oh, man, it's energizing me.
3: Well, it really gets at all the things that we want as parents and as teachers for our children about being a good communicator, becoming a leader, thinking independently. And for those of us who have done businesses, we know that all of those are skills that, that help us in our lives. And, uh, and at the same time, we can learn financial wherewithal, which isn't taught in schools, and help, help our economy and uh, um, our, our bottom-line budgets both personally and professionally.
2: Absolutely. So tell us what the first thing um, that happened with – uh, billionaire babies, and first of all, I mean, why, why the billionaire goal? I mean, I, I actually love that, but tell us what spurred you to that. I mean, why, why not millionaire babies?
3: Well, it was I guess two reasons. Uh, first of all, we just bypassed millionaires. We've gone right to billionaires, and billionaire babies was, I've tried out different names, and that was the one that stuck with people. And so um, I think you need to shoot high. I think you need to be the best you can be and not limit yourself. So I think that, uh, that that's part of the mindset of creating with the young people I work with.
2: Mm. And, Chris, I've been hogging the questions.
1: <laughs> that's okay. I'm, I'm on mute, so it's not to bother good morning, Linda, and thank you so much for coming. Can you share with us some stories about um, clients or um, how the company has been doing and what exactly you do for them? I'd be happy
3: to do that. Um, a variety of different um, uh, things. I, I work some one-on-one, um, especially when I started, because I wanted to, um, to have the stories and to, um, to be able to, um, to develop the programs myself. Um, uh, one of the first um, people that I worked with was a little girl named Abigail, who was actually four years old. And the thing that's the most important about this is that the young people get to choose their own passion. If it isn't something they're interested in, it doesn't work at all. And she happened to be someone that loved to do art projects. And um, so we, after some discussion, um, we came to um, creating gift bags. And um, they're all handmade, and um, she has to get the material. She's got to pay pay back her um, her angel investor, and she sells them on Craigslist, and she sells them on eBay, and she sells them to her friends in the park, and she she keeps learning because she sat out in front of her house one time to sell them like a lemonade stand. She sells them for $2 a piece, and she didn't sell any. People came running by with no money. I don't have any money. I don't have my kids. So afterward, we did an analysis, and she said, you know, here's what I need to do. I need to go to the playground next time, and I need to have parents with kids. They have to want a bag, and they have to have $2. So if that isn't marketing <laughs> from a 4-year-old, I don't know what is. It's, wow. it's problem solving. It's figuring it out. We tried one thing, and that didn't work, so we'll try another. Well, she's made enough money now that she um, has given some of it back. I said, well, what are you going to do with this money? And she said, well, I'm going to buy a bicycle which she- she wanted to do, and um, and then she's given um, some of the money back to the boys and girls who don't have any money. She's given some to the boys and girls clubs in Boston, because I'm up in Boston. So um, she's learning everything about management, um, operations, um, about, you know, when you get a dollar you have to save part of it, which is a concept that is missing from lots of, of adults' minds as well as children. So, um, but I think the best part actually is um, that she says, "I have my own business and it's named after me." Her business is called Abby Bags.
1: (laughs) That is a great story. Thank you. Wow. And so it's but so simple and so true, so straightforward, right? Where are your customers? And how do you get, how do you get a call to action? You find them when in the right place at the right time. I mean, you know, right now we talk about marketing messages of the right product at the right price at the right time in the right place. All of those things. So how do you find your customers or your your next Abby? Right. Uh
3: well, I uh, right now I do do a lot of networking in the Boston area. I go to Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts. I go to Rotary Clubs, I go to Lions Clubs, I go to Junior Achievement, I go to schools. Um, I started locally, um, building on the community and on the people that I know. Um, I, I know a lot of people because I was in the schools for years, so that's where I started networking that way. And um, I have an online presence, and um, I do weekly calls that I call my protege calls with families, and I get guest speakers on them, and I do them sometimes myself as well, so that now I've expanded so that my client base is actually international um, and people listen in on the call. Um, I have a um, a business kit that you can purchase that's got six CDs and a workbook and a book. And with that, it's all the basics that you can do as a family. One of my uh, primary goals is to get parents communicating more effectively with um, with their children and working together if they're under 18. They certainly have to be involved with their children if they're doing a business of any kind. And um, I actually have a game which is sold out at the moment. to get a, another manufacturer for that, and it's a board game. And I created that specifically um, so that families could um, be talking together and being together. I may turn it into an electronic version, um, but I started with a game board um, specifically to, um, to create the communication that sometimes is not there between families. <laughs> and older siblings can teach younger siblings. The game is um, if, you, if you make the right business decisions, you climb to the top and you make money, and you have your own checkbook and your own business, and you can do trading, and you have to give back to your investors. And so you learn all the basics of the business plan and of running a business. So I have, I've created lots of different products that I um, get out there in different ways. I also do live seminars. I do a teleseminar that's an eight-week seminar, and I'm working in the future on doing trips, actually. I'm working in Tuscany, Disney, and Costa Rica to learn about the businesses in those countries Um, as models, because every business now is an international business. Even if you just put up your website, it can be accessed everywhere in the world. So That's what I'm doing. Can you talk to us about your
2: seven steps for empowering children?
3: Yes, actually, and um, I am happy to give that away to the listeners. If they go to my website, which is billionairebabies.net, and you click on the left side, there's a button where you can download that for free. And um, it's really, uh, really important. It's a good way to start. And I also have a free ebook that I can offer to your listeners called Empowering um, Tomorrow's Leaders Today. So I might as well mention those right now, now that you've mentioned that. Oh, that one's um, be great. Yes, yes. I'm, I want to reach as many people as possible. Um the seven steps are um, are important ones. Um, one of them is communication. Um, another one, and I go into these in detail, but I'll just mention, you know, Thank sort of you. what they are now. Um, leadership, um, which is such an important thing. Some people are natural leaders and some people are not. And um, we want to... Um, to foster that in um, all of our clients. Um, Another one is problem solving, and um, that was one of my goals for my own, who will grown. now, was just coping skills, because we know those things are going to come along. How do you figure out um, how to get out of whatever situation you're in, and I would always say there's always a solution. Some are more difficult than others. Um, we'll just have to get our heads together and figure this out. So I think that's a very important um, step. Teamwork. Um, learning to work with others. We all work together in the world. We are not isolated. And certainly if you're running a business or, or succeeding in school or wherever, whatever you're doing, you work with team members and you gather people around you that you connect with and that have a similar mindset. Um, social responsibility, I think, is another really important one. Um, I had the occasion, fortunately, to connect with Richard Branson on his island, Necker Island, and um, being the ultimate entrepreneur, and he is as swashbuckling a person as he seems on TV, <laughs>
0: um,
3: he said to be sure that the children know to give back. He just gave $3 billion to the environment saying, you know, what, well, what choice do I have? So um, the social responsibility part of uh, giving back, of seeing where other people are is, I think, a really important one. Um, Value-based profitability. Um, Some businesses and and business in general gets a bad name because there are some bad eggs in in the basket. And learning the values and the integrity and the honesty is a really important one as well. Creating the entrepreneurial mindset is, the greatest gift, actually, because it, it, it empowers you to be able to deal what, with whatever does come along, because you can, um, can figure out whatever you need um, to solve the problems and to, to manage your, your business and your life. And then having, it is so much fun to run a business. You fail forward fast. Oh, if this didn't work, I'll try this, I'll try that. You never take no for an answer. You're always looking for more people to ask your questions. So um, those are the major steps.
2: Oh, You know, I really love it. And actually, you've uh, you've now just helped me out because I have to go talk to their class tomorrow morning. Uh, So I am going to share with them your uh, premises. And I am going to hand out your website to uh, the kids to take home to tell their parents about it because those who do great. have uh, a passion for uh, the entrepreneurial side of things versus just, you know, getting, getting good grades and going to college and getting a great job, um, you know, I mean, I, I really want to see those kids fed, so um, I, I absolutely love it. And, and I do want to stop and just mention very quickly our sponsor for today, which is the Executive Girlfriends Group. Um, and the Executive Girlfriends Group is uh, a subsidiary company of Solutions Media Group. And as I had mentioned to you, Linda, I think that our, our members of the Executive Girlfriends Group would love to hear about billionaire babies. And you know, many of them um, you know, are mothers or, or grandmothers now, and, or, or if they don't have children, they've got you know, nieces and nephews that uh, I'm sure would love to hear about your programs. So, just want to oh, thank, thank Executive you. Girlfriend's I'm delighted producer. to do
0: that.
3: Thank you. So, what
2: have been your biggest obstacles, other than just getting the word out? Have you have you had any scenarios where you've tried to help, uh, you know, someone, and and uh, you know, it just hasn't gone like you wanted it to?
3: Um. Well, let's see. The um, once I start to work with young people, I can. I can pretty much get them to do what um, what is in their best interest. Now, some kids lose interest, and that is certainly an obstacle. But if they develop a passion, or sometimes they have to change what they want to do. They start off in one direction, and it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere, and so then we have to regroup. Um, so that's, that's the real gift, actually, and that's the... That was the aha moment for me is I give them this infrastructure and they just go with it and they come up with these ideas that are amazing. Don't ever underestimate what children can do, beginning with the age of two even. They have their own minds and their own ideas. Um, my greatest, I guess my greatest obstacle is that, that their parents don't understand entrepreneurship and the parents are actually the consumers And so they have to buy into it. They have to also get interested. And then I do have parents who want to do their own businesses after that. But I'm educating not just the children, it's the adults as well. That's one of the greatest uh, barriers to entry because they never had this training unless they are in business themselves. The majority of parents are not, though. They're working parents. And so it's educating them um, to realize just how powerful this is. Uh, They know about their kids doing soccer and sports, doing well in school, but this isn't on their radar screen. And so um, that's one of my greatest barriers to entry in a program like this where I can reach more people and they can really get to understand what the value is, is incredibly important. Um, So I guess from getting this started, it's about a year and a half. The first year was building the products and having the business, and now the last six months is working on scaling and getting to more um, to more families. Well, that was going to
2: be my next question, is how do you scale this beyond Linda Samuels?
3: Well, that's what I'm working on. Um, I'm actually working with a consultant who's been very helpful. He asked me very tough questions, and um, I'm, I'm answering those questions. Um, I also have, I've gotten um, connected with the state, i um, in Massachusetts, and it has become clear to me that, um, that the, the government has all the money given the last uh, six months of activities. And so my, both of my businesses are what are known as Sama certified, they're state-owned business, state businesses, um, state women-owned businesses. And my goal is to get some contracts to teach in the state schools here. Um, and I'm making headway. Um, I've had a meeting with Head Start, which is a program for zero- to six-year-olds to give them a Head Start. Um, I've been meeting with um, with some of the people. We have a, a, a wonderful governor now who is very active. And I've been meeting with some of his um, um team to, to get this program out there and they've been very receptive. I'm meeting with the Speaker of the House. Um, so the answer to your question is I'm I'm doing it in a lot of different ways. Um, I'm working with the state. I also do a lot of viral marketing. Um, I partner with other groups and they send out emails for me. And um, that's a great way to, to get a lot of um, a lot of associations, and it's not, and it doesn't cost a lot of money. Also, so part of it is I'm figuring out how to to, to do this um, in an effective way and using the money wisely um, and reaching the largest number possible. Um, I I go to a large number of networking events, and um, I have met some pretty amazing people, and I follow those leads, and um, it's a, it, that's it's very fruitful. Um, so it will scale.
2: Um, but well, and tell us I'm about thinking. your your adopt a billionaire program because I I think that that is is a very exciting way to engage uh, sponsors in in helping to sponsor the program and to follow. And even to mentor, uh, you know, which I, I don't know if that's part of, of your Adopt a Billionaire program. But, you know, we, in, as I mentioned in the Executive Girlfriends group, we we primarily target uh, women who are directors in their company, you know, vice presidents and C-level executives or who are business owners because we do have a handful of entrepreneurs in the group. Um, but we have, have recently set up a group for what we call up-and-comers, so people who perhaps are in a managerial role and have not yet been promoted to director, but it would be very cool to see if we could, uh, you know, adopt uh, a couple of these, uh, you know, future billionaires and and to watch their progress as an organization.
3: Well, you've hit the nail right on the head. Uh, it it partly comes from my experience with um, take your daughter to work day because I was at a women's school and we used to send all the kids with their. Families to go and see what their work day was like, um, and um, getting the the real business people involved with the young people um, sort of doing like internships for young for young kids is really the the goal, and to get the sponsorship so that I can help the largest number that's um, that's really what I want to do. I want to reach every child and it cuts across all socioeconomic groups all kinds of, all races, every kind of uh, group. And this, that's one of the things I love the most about this. This really is for everyone, anyone.
1: Right. Any right. child
3: can start their own business. So if I can get the, the sponsors, those children, so they can get my CD sets and be in the programs and really um, take advantage of it, that's that's the motivation, yes, um, behind it. And hmm. we used to have career days when we'd have People from many careers um, come to the school and talk to the students, so that they could have some exposure. Um, so I know about those things. If you if you can can bring people there, and bring businesses there, have these these women or men um, who are in those positions talk to the young people about them, and even partner with them in a, a philanthropic way. That is the best way to. Um, to be doing that connecting and to be building those relationships.
1: Hmm.
3: Wow. So they're lofty goals. They are. It will all happen. Um, (laughs) And and it's a sign of the times. I'm I'm out there doing research and finding out there are some other groups um, thinking of similar things. And I think partly what's happened is given the, the financial climate, people are realizing we just have to do something differently. We just just have to approach this, and, and starting with the children is going to be the solution in the long run um, for the so that people can learn to manage their own personal budgets and know how to read um, agreements when they're buying a house and getting good advice and knowing what to ask and knowing how to save and all of those things, um, starting at the young
1: age, yeah. You know, it, it's 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 really it's been wonderful hearing you talk about this, and it's so true that even if these children don't want to become entrepreneurs in the end, you know, they want to run large divisions in in um, corporate America or whatever, or turn their entrepreneur business into a large corporation someday. All of the things that they that they'll be learning through this process. Are so, um, create such confidence and create the ability to, you know, stand up and stand up for yourself, whether you're talking to lawyers or doctors or or anything else moving forward. And your website is is very compelling. I do hope that people go and and see what you've got to offer. It's nicely laid out, it helps you understand um, everything that you offer, including the adopt a billionaire baby um, concept.
3: Well, thank you. You really have hit the nail on the head because these are principles that apply to all of your life, and they are things that will change your life. And um, starting at the early age is definitely the way, uh, the way of the future, and the way to do it.
2: Well, Linda, I I uh, I'm sorry.
3: I was going to say I'd be also be happy to leave a phone number if someone wants to reach you or an email.
2: Absolutely. In fact, that was going to be my next question of how can uh, people who are listening to the show or people who uh, download the show after it has been broadcast, how can they get in touch with you?
3: Okay. You can, you can email me at samuels at billionairebabies.net. That's L-S-A-M-U-E-L-S at billionairebabies, dot snet and everybody's somebody's baby. Another reason for the name, actually. <laughs> and um, the phone is 877-414-4192. It's 877-414-4192. And as I said, you can go to the website, which is billionairebabies.net, and download the 7 Steps to Empowering Your Child and the free ebook.
2: That is just terrific. Well, Linda, thank you again. And I will be in touch with you about seeing if you can be uh, on our Executive Girlfriends group call uh, sometime in June. Uh, we are already scheduled out uh, through through June for that call. But uh, I'll be back in touch with you. And I just uh, would love to see how I can help uh, move this virally here in the state of Florida. I just am so impressed with what you're doing and uh, would also like to make the introduction between you and the head of this uh, enterprise village uh, here in Pinellas
3: County. Thank you so much. It would be my pleasure.
2: All right, Linda. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I really look forward to reading this ebook, Billionaire Babies, Empowering Tomorrow's Leaders Today. So uh, as Linda shared with us, you can go on to her website, www.billionairebabies.net, And uh, there is a special code uh, for you to download that as well as for you to get uh, the document uh, about the seven steps to empowering children. Well, Chris, once again, we have just had uh, an amazing uh, first guest on our show today. And I am really looking forward to hearing from our other guests, which uh, will be coming up shortly. I want to thank our sponsor for the next half hour, which is wcities.com. And WCities is a, a, a travel site which has lots of information, actually, uh, for you locally as well in your own city. A lot of people don't know what's available uh, to do and see and, and uh, you know, new places to eat uh, in your own town. But if you are traveling and, and the site uh, does have content for both the United States and globally, WCities.com. All right, great. Well, I am going to get our next guest on the air. Just one second. If I can get my cursor to uh, a great. There we go. Good morning, Marcy. Good morning, Tiki. How are you? I am doing just great, and I am absolutely delighted to introduce you to one of my best friends in the whole world, my co-host, Chris Bradshaw. She lives in Dallas, Texas. Hi, Chris. It's a pleasure to meet you.
1: Thank you very much, and thank you for joining us.
5: Well, you know, I am so honored to to be on the show, um, to to be able to speak with Chickie a few weeks ago and and just find out what a vivacious and dynamic person
2: she is and all the success that you all have had. It's just very exciting, so honored to be on the program. Well, we are delighted to have you, Marcy, and and I want to make sure I don't uh, chop up your uh, your last name is Marcy Blahoviak is that correct? Ticky, you know,
5: it it's as close as anybody's ever come. It's actually Blahoviak.
0: Blahoviak.
1: Okay.
5: Yes. I I married a guy from Wisconsin about 14
2: years ago. Used to be a Hughes, and now I'm a proud Blahoviak. <laughs> Well, good for you, and I grew up in Wisconsin, and I think I told you when I first spoke to you, my best friend in uh, high school was Sue Kachikowski, so uh, I I did a pretty good job of mastering some unusual names, uh, and it was the first place I ever uh, heard that there were Serbians and Croatians, and that was long before, uh, you know, those countries had actually even emerged. Right. uh, Anyway, well... I am just so happy that you were able to join us, and I'm, I just have to tell the listeners uh, the story. My daughter's uh, godmother uh, here in Tampa sent me a note, um, actually forwarding on uh, the success stories link. And is it successstories.com? Is that yes, success stories, and then the publishing company or the website is simpletruths.com. Simple truths. That's it. And you know, when I first got that. Um, you know, I thought, man, I wonder if I can get her on my show because um, I just was totally intrigued about your story, and and so I contacted you, I guess, through success stories, and and I'm now trying to get Mac on on the show as well because uh, he has an amazing story too. And and for those of you who who have ever seen those uh, those uh, encouraging posters, they're they're actually beautiful works of art that that companies put up in in their uh, offices about leadership and and uh, you know just really spurring people on it's it's just exactly what it says success stories and and uh, just a whole message of encouragement so we're going to talk a little bit about leadership this morning and Marcy has a very interesting story and she is the author uh, of a book, uh, which is, I'll let you share the title, but it, it's really about, uh, you know, breaking through that glass ceiling. And, uh, you know, I, I suspect that the title has a little bit to do with your past career. So I'm not <laughs> going to steal your thunder, Marcy. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story?
5: Oh, absolutely, Tiki. Uh, well, basically, the the name of the book is No Glass Ceiling, Just Blue Sky. And it's really about women and leadership and how powerful uh, women are and how powerful they, they can become. And uh, my story was, uh, you know, I grew up in a in a very uh, middle-income family, have wonderful, wonderful parents. I think um, when, when you have great parents, it's just such a blessing. And uh, my parents will actually be married uh, 44 years in December. And, you know, the only time that they argued growing up as a child was typically about money. So I say, you know, money's not everything, but lack of money is, and I don't think women get wrinkles from aging. I think we get wrinkles when we're stressed out about money, and I've been stressed out about money most of my life, so I, I, do, I have been on that end of the spectrum uh, for for many, many years before I got into the field that I'm in now, but basically I grew up and, you know, just going through uh, high school and had a little bit of college, wasn't disciplined enough to finish college and just kind of finding myself, figuring out what I wanted to do and uh, worked for my father, who was a tailor at the time, and then got an opportunity to fly with uh, one of the major airlines here in the country and uh, flew and, and really enjoyed the experience. I was single, and it was just a good time to experience uh, the world. And, uh, but I was making $15,300 a year living with five wow. flight attendants in a three-bedroom apartment, broke, living paycheck to paycheck, and I could fly for free around the world, but I was still broke when I got there. So that's kind of even more painful when you, when you do that. And so did that and had a great experience with that. You know, I think experiences really shape us to when, when we have the right thing come our way, those past experiences can really shape us for uh, recognizing when something comes our way that, that will fit us. And so basically, uh, my mother, who was loaning me money every month while I was flying, uh, she said, Marcia, I want you to take a look at this company. And it was in the financial field. And I looked at my mother like she had lost her mind. I said, Mom, who is going to listen to a flight attendant about their money? You know, coffee, tea, or mutual fund, right? (laughs) And I looked at her like she was crazy. And she looked at me with a grin on her face, and she's a very, my mom's a very powerful woman. I dedicated my, my book to my mother, who's my mentor, and she looked at me and she said, Marcy, do you want me to continue to loan you money? And I said, yes, mom. <laughs> so that's how I got into the financial field, and that's how I came upon writing this book. And when I started in the financial field, I really didn't know what I was doing, but I was... Uh, Uh, in tune enough to direct people to the experts Till I became the expert. And really, Chicky, from there, I met my husband through the company, and from there, it it just transformed into something that, you know, once you're not worried about money, you can focus on much more important things. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at now. So
2: how did you get to the place where uh, you are are now leading a group uh, within World Financial Group, uh, which is a member of the Egon Group, um, did did they have a training program? What what was the opportunity? Basically, it, it was a great training program. I was
5: able to start part time uh, with World Financial Group while I was still full time. Uh, in the airline industry, so that I could, you know, start making some part-time money. My goal at that time was not not to leave what I was doing; it was just to supplement my income. Uh, but this is what happened. All of us, I wanted to make just an extra $500 a month. That would have changed my whole world. When when you're making $15,300 a year, and and so what happened was they had a great training and mentor program. You know, training is one thing. A lot of people can get trained. But but what I loved about our company was we had a team of people that really walked you through steps of knowing products, knowing services, and then really personal development. I had never been exposed to personal development of, of tapes and radio shows and, and talk shows and books. And so I started, uh, the, the company really, really inoculates their people with, you can only grow as far as you're personally developed. And I got exposed to many, many great people um, that were writing a book or they were on a tape or CD or on the radio. And all of a sudden, it, it, it developed a whole new world for me because I think you can only go as far as your thinking will allow you. And so, really, it started one building block at a time, and the next thing I knew, uh, my second year in this industry, I made over six-figure income. Well, I have to tell you, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. I, I, <laughs> didn't, I didn't know what six figures looked like, you know? And well, that I, I changes could...
2: the family tree. That changes more than just you.
5: <laughs> oh, totally, Chickie. And, and that's one thing. You know, my mother, who started, really, she was the pioneer in World Financial Group as far as women in that industry, and my mother has changed our whole family tree. She has left a legacy. She has six family members that make family members that make over six figure income wow. because she had the courage to to pioneer something, you know, pioneer and to look. And she had tried many, many things. And I think what I gleaned from when you talked about training and, and how did we uh, reach the level of success, it's because, you know, I think you've got to have courage. A lot of people, they learn and they read things, but sometimes they're really scared to act. And I will never forget defining moments where my mother pushed me. She wasn't there, and she pushed me to do something that I had seen a thousand times with her, and I had to do it by myself. And you've got that one little voice saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. You don't need to do this. Keep doing what you're doing. And then you've got that small little voice going, well, what if? What if I can do it? And I had to break through some of those really scary
2: moments And that allowed me to move to the next level. Wow. Well, I want to read uh, just the um, uh, description of your book, which is on the Successories uh, website. It says, this inspirational gift book is a blueprint for any woman's success as a manager or entrepreneur. Marcy has built a successful team of thousands by using this secret weapon, hire more women and treat them like family. Uh, and, and this book is is written as a, a motivational gift book. It, it actually has a beautiful cover and that that is in keeping with what Successories uh, does in, in their their packaging of things. Tell us how you got linked up with Mac:
5: Sure. Um, well, I have to tell you, and those of you and I'm, I'm so excited about you and Mac talking and him you know becoming a part of of your broadcast uh, Mac anderson is is just. He's the most down-to-earth, one of the most wonderful people you'll ever meet. Um, He he really, when you meet him, you'll know what I'm talking about. But one thing about Mac, uh, Mac is the one that had the company, like you spoke of, Tiki, called Successories. And that was a big, big company with, again, the beautiful posters with the beautiful inspirational messages underneath. And he sold that company a few years ago and started a publishing company called Simple Truths. And it's SimpleTruths.com, and basically Mac was a speaker at one of the World Financial Group events, and Mac and I got a chance to meet. This was initially when he was just starting his company, and he had he had several very successful authors uh, that were already a part of the part of his Simple Truths company, and he had no female uh, female authors. And he wanted to start with with one. He wanted to find one. And he and I met, we had lunch together. And he asked me, after he saw me speak at this event, he asked me if I would consider writing a book. And I was so honored, and I have to say, Chicky, as, as you know, from, from one author to another, I, it was probably the most challenging thing that I've ever done <laughs> um, because you just it, – it's very challenging. And uh, he asked me to do it. It took me uh, several months to write it, and uh, it was uh, one of the first
2: books with his Simple Truths company, so – well, that is really, really exciting. And, and yes, I mean, it can be daunting. And, and, you know, I've been fortunate because my first few books that I wrote were, you know, just for my industry. I had a very limited audience. So, you know, I was really delighted when I sold 100 copies. But, you know, I was fortunate that my books were $800 and, and
0: $1,400. Right. So, you know, I,
2: I didn't have to go for the volume. And, um, uh, in fact, last night I was just doing the final editing on my chapter uh, of the book uh, Bootstrap Business, which is coming out hopefully in June. Um, I'm just doing the final proofs of my chapter, and I I have the good fortune to be – showcased with three top, you know, New York Times best-selling authors. And, you know, my picture gets to be on the cover with the three of them, which is, uh, you know, just, just amazing because, you know, I used to walk into bookstores and, you know, I mean, I've got, I don't know how many books I've got inside of me, but, um, you know, I'm one of those people that every time I walk in the bookstore, you know, that little voice is like, and how do you think you'd be able to stand out from all of these books? Right and and how are you ever going to do that when when I know you know I know my writing skills I know my talents um, and I know that I, I've got just so many burning messages I want to share with people and you know the radio show has been a great way to do that and and you know I think one of the things I hear from you is is just that you really are empowering women to believe in themselves and and to do that encouragement. And it's so interesting. And, and, Marcy, I think I had shared with you that I, I went to a women's retreat this last weekend. And it's one that I serve on, you know, twice a year. It's in, in the spring and in the fall. And, you know, it's so amazing. There there were 36 women there. And, you know, of those 36, you know, easily 30 of them are, are really very very attractive women people that if you passed you know on the street you would say oh wow she's got it all together you know dress is nice is you know pretty you know most of the time has great hair days you know and, and then there were the handful you know that that perhaps struggled with their looks or their weight um but universally they all shared that You know, they had just been pounded down for years and years that they couldn't do whatever it was. And, I mean, you know, maybe some had an aspiration to sing and were told that they couldn't carry a tune or whatever. But the breakthroughs that we saw just this weekend of encouraging these women that they can be whatever that they want to be and Mm -hmm. and that – you know I mean their creator gave them that right,
0: yes. and you
2: know what I love is in the title of your book, you know I mean no glass ceiling, which is you know typically a corporate uh, you know thought, but yeah. it it seems to me that your book does apply whether you 're in a corporate environment with a glass ceiling or whether you 're an entrepreneur with an idea and i don 't know if you caught any of our previous show, but we were just interviewing a woman who had been a teacher for many years, and in fact, a science teacher, an award winning science teacher. And um, she has created a company called Billionaire Babies, and she wrote a book called Girls Can Succeed in Science. And I can't wait to get that book and just share it with my daughter's uh, fifth-grade science teacher because, you know, I think it, there, there is just such a need for inspiration.
5: Oh, absolutely. And, and it, Chiki, it's what you said. Women, um, you, know, <clears throat> uh, you know, there seem to be different types of women, and, and a lot of times women try, and, and I was I was a – uh, product of this a lot of times women um, we we try to do things ourselves we try to get it all done and you know we can get it done we know how to do it right we can take take on the whole project and take care of the kids and fix dinner and clean the house and do this and for most of my life I was like that kind of a control freak and I realized um, <clears throat> when I got into business I thought you know what um, and, and really, when I had my my eighteen uh, month old daughter uh, from the Good Lord upstairs, um, uh, my husband and I had been married fourteen years and we were blessed with our first child uh, eighteen months ago. Her name 's Sophia. but I remember thinking to myself, you know i 've got to delegate and i 've got to get around other women um because it's an empowering enrichment you know being around people where you can talk you can bond you can strategize and so so many women we have such great ideas to share and come from all different walks of life and and like you said have been beaten down and and told we couldn't do something and it's so important that we have a connection Uh, with other women, whether it's, you know, if you're the stay-at-home mom that you've, you know, that you've got a group where you can get together, where you you leave uh, feeling empowered. There are just so many times that we, um, or for myself personally, where uh, once in a while I I isolate myself. And uh, that doesn't do anyone any good, especially my family and uh, my children. And so I I've, I've really reached out and and Chicky I think you're just you and Chris are such a uh just an inspiration of how many women you are attracting right now uh, across the across the you know country from all different walks of life because of the things that you've set up. And I've made sure that I take the time for myself to do that. I think we as women sometimes we we try to do everything. And we might get it all done, but at the end of the day, we don't have much left, you know, and we've got right. to make sure that, that we take care and fulfill ourselves. And it's okay to do it, that it's okay to pamper, and enrich, and fulfill yourself because yeah. then we get a chance to really be the best for other people.
2: Well, and, and not only is it okay, it really is mandatory, Yeah. And, and that's, you know, it was so funny because again, you know, on, on this particular weekend, it's, it's a four day, uh, you know, kind of experience that, that these women go through and, and universally on the first night, you know, they, they just are, are, they just don't believe that they should be taking the time away and, and everybody is consumed at, at what they should be doing. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, you know, the whole way that that this particular weekend is constructed is is just to take them through you know dumping that you know that that set of guilts that that we just live with that if we are doing anything for ourselves that you know we must be slighting someone else.
3: Exactly. That is
2: seeing that we are actually equipping ourselves to be the best wives, the best mothers if we do have children and and the best friends because I mean you can be a better friend to somebody if you're you know, if you are allowing yourself that time. And, I mean, Chris and I have, have seen that in spades with, with the executive girlfriends group that, that we uh, are a part of. And, you know, giving women a, an outlet every Friday afternoon, uh, you know, just to talk to people who have, have similar challenges and, and to not feel alone, which, yes. um, you know, well, I, I actually think that men have, have some of those same needs, but it's just so hard for them to carve out a place where they can safely do that yeah you know, they may have one best friend that they can actually talk uh, to and and be themselves with or or maybe they're fortunate enough to have that relationship with their wives and i know many men do um but uh you know we are just so blessed as women to have the freedom uh you know to just share what's going on in our lives and uh you know i am i'm just so delighted that you did write your book and and i can't wait uh to get a copy of it and and to read it um, and and I'm sure to buy multiple copies to pass on uh, to my girlfriends.
5: Yes, Chickie. Well, one thing, um, if it's okay with you, one thing, um, am I able to to read one quick snippet of absolutely. the book?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. And in fact, if I had the book here, I would usually do I, that. But I wasn't able to get a and copy Chicky, before. Chicky, no, also. and I
5: apologize. I have sent you a book, and I apologize that you don't have it. <laughs> Probably Murphy's Law, you'll see it in the mail today. But Probably. Anyway, but let me, yeah, let me, if I could, one thing about this book, um, the thing that I love about the book, it's a, it's a quick read. It's not something that you have to meditate, think through. Um, the chapters are small and they're inspirational, and that's what the book really was there to do, it was to inspire women and to also um, talk about some of the ladies that I've had the opportunity to work with and their different stories that I think different women can relate to. Uh, but there was one chapter in my book. Um, it was the very, very last uh, last thing that I wanted to put in the book, and it's called The Dash. And I really think, as women, that these are some of the things we go through. But when I saw this poem, and this lady, her name's Linda Ellis, she actually wrote this poem, and she lives in Atlanta, And when I saw that poem, I said, you know what? No matter what, that's got to be the very last thing in this book. And if I can take just one minute, Chick, I'd love to read it. Oh,
4: absolutely. Please do.
5: Okay. It's called The Dash. And I just think this talks about our life. It talks about just in general what we go through. And it says, "Um, I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on her tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came her date of birth and spoke the following date with tears, but he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that she spent alive on earth, and now only those who loved her know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change for you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and try to always understand the way other people feel and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash?
2: Isn't that awesome? That is wonderful. And, in fact, it, it was interesting because that that was actually mentioned this weekend. And and wow. I, didn't, I didn't know that it was a recent uh, poem. And I just found her website, and uh, I'm actually going to get in touch with her. Oh, because, my gosh. Uh, you know, I would love to chat with her. You will love her, Chick. I've had her at one of our events. She's a very, very sweet lady, and I think that poem is just amazing. It is. And uh, for those listeners, uh, Linda's website is Linda's lyrics L-Y-R-I-C-S dot com. And uh, she is an author, a speaker, and a poet, and she's got all kinds of wonderful uh, products that have uh, the Dash poem uh, on it. So uh, that that is a, a very very nice way to start winding down our, our discussion with you, Marcy. So so tell us, um, are, are you actively mentoring other women right now? Yes, I, I mentor. I I
5: probably uh, travel once a month to different parts of the country and and just speak really predominantly to women. Uh, here in Atlanta, I mentor about 20, 22 women uh, that I work very closely with here in Georgia, but then then fly across and, and speak to other
2: ladies. That's really great. Uh, we've been trying to figure out how to develop a, a more formal mentoring uh, program within the Executive Girlfriends Group. So I think it's it's really, really important, particularly for those that are just kind of coming up through the, the ranks, uh, either corporately or those people who are wanting to break out of corporate America and, and become entrepreneurs. And that, that actually is the topic of our 1130 show today and uh, our show called Corporate Escape Artists. Um, But, you know, I just would love to uh, continue our dialogue, uh, you know, after the radio show. And and, uh, I am so looking forward to the next time I get up to Atlanta so that we can actually meet. Yes, and Chickie and Chris, I'm
5: honored to be on your show. Um, I am so looking forward to to hearing more about the executive. I know you call it the egg. Um, And really, really plugging into that with you because it sounds like powerful women. And thank you again for giving me the opportunity to share.
2: Right. Well, you know, it's funny because I I was just looking on Linda's uh, site and she's got a quote from Zig Ziglar, which I love. Zig Ziglar said it best. People often say, Zig, motivation doesn't last. And I say to them, bathing doesn't either. That's why I recommend it daily.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. I
2: love that. So we do need to make sure that that we find something to inspire us daily. I wish I could do a radio show daily because that's uh I have really enjoyed bringing people like you uh you know to a to a place where you can be exposed to a broader audience and uh you know I've often said that the the beauty of this particular platform is it doesn't really matter uh who listens to the show live it it matters once the show has been on you know how we promote that out to to let people hear Uh, that inspiration and you know I I loved what you said about your mom that you know she really has left a legacy and I think sometimes we look at people who have created a real legacy and and we think that that's somehow specially reserved for special people instead of realizing that every single one of us um, has the power to create a legacy and you know and it's different for each one of us Uh, Chris and I have interviewed people uh, you know all the way from from scientists who, you know, create, you know, just amazing uh, new technology and, you know, who are leaving a legacy for people through making life easier, uh, you know, through people who have left an inspirational legacy. And it's just very, very cool.
5: It is very cool. And, Chicky, I tell you what, I, I look at what, what you're doing and what Chris is doing, and uh, I, I really thank you for what you all are doing. It's, it's really um, a great pleasure to really get to
2: know you. So. Thanks for being who you are. <laughs> well, thank you, Marcy. Uh, I'm just so glad that it's uh, it's so easy to get in touch with people when somebody sends you something. And, and, and actually, that's been the biggest surprise to me about this radio show is, uh, you know, back, if you asked me on January 1st, I mean, I had no inkling on January 1st of this year that I was going to do this radio show. And, you know, if you ask me, well, you know, how would you get in touch with so-and-so, you know, I just have found, and I guess through all of my research skills in my consulting company, uh, you know, that I'm actually a pretty good detective.
0: (laughs) And, and, you
2: know, usually when I get uh, a bug... Uh, uh, in my bonnet about getting somebody on the show, it it takes me less than than uh, 48 hours to get in touch with them. So uh, I'm so glad that you were so accessible. And uh, again, I'm really excited about getting introduced to Mac because I think that that's uh, you know, another leg of my journey. Uh, you know, that that could play out uh, in a very interesting
1: way. Yes, absolutely. Marcy, thank you very much. And for all of our listeners, it is simple truths. With an S dot com, and um, where you find uh, Marcy's book. And right now, Marcy, did you know you have a sale going on, two for one?
6: Isn't that awesome?
1: (laughs) Cool, Marcy. Can you tell uh,
2: folks how they? uh, Is that the best way to get in touch with you through the links on the Simple Truth site?
5: Actually, let me give you one other. place that, that you can get me really quick, and that would be through email, and that's Marcy, M-A-R-C-Y, W as in William, F as in Frank, G as in group,
2: at yahoo.com. Terrific. All right. Well, you have an amazing day, and I will be talking to you soon. Perfect, Chickie. Thank you, Chickie. Thank you, Chris. Y'all have a wonderful day. Okay. Thank you, Marcy. Great. Well, Chris, you know, I always say we're about to shift gears, but I have a feeling that once again, our next guest is is going to just help us continue to build on uh, the amazing uh, discussions that we've already had this morning. Let me go ahead and get Sam on the phone. Hey, Chickie, I've been morning, looking forward to Sam. sharing some ideas with your listeners. Oh, we can't wait. Well, this morning, um, we have had uh, some amazing discussions already. We started... With Linda Samuels, who runs a company called Billionaire Babies, and I have a feeling that she fits in your pop methodology because <laughs> it's great alliteration, it is uh, intriguing, and uh, you know makes you want to jump in and learn more about it. She's actually helping to nurture uh, young entrepreneurs, she said as, as young as two. Uh, her first entrepreneur was a four-year-old named Abby, uh, who has already paid back her angel investor and uh, has been uh, investing in uh, in other kids through the Boys and Girls Club. And then Marcy, who we just heard, went from being a flight attendant uh, to being uh, a leading executive with World Financial Group, and talked to us about uh, her book, which is No Glass Ceiling, Just Blue Sky. So, Sam. Tell us a little bit about you. I I met you through my dear friend, uh, Lana Kim, uh, who has been a guest on our show, and she's actually going to be a guest on our executive girlfriends group uh, call this Friday. But uh, tell us uh, a little bit about you.
7: Well, thanks, Chickie. I I have the good fortune of doing the uh, Holy Trinity of speaking, writing, and consulting. Uh. So when I I speak, I speak for such groups as Inc. 500, 5000, or... Young Presidents Organization, uh, do a worldwide webinar for Intel, and when I write, I write such books as Tung Fu, which I is love how that to title. deal with <laughs> and, uh, and when I consult, I have the privilege of helping people get their ideas out of their head and into the world where they have an opportunity to make a positive difference for others and a prosperous living for them. Well, um, I
2: was introduced to you actually originally because Lana thought I could benefit from your services in helping to uh, you know, create uh, some module names for our show and for products that will come out of that. So tell us a little bit about
7: your book, Pop. Well, Pop came out of uh, Maui Writers Conference. I've been uh, the MC and former executive director of that for 16 years. And Chicky, we gave authors from around the world the opportunity to pitch their books face-to-face with some of the top decision-makers in publishing, Robert Loomis from Random House. And, and they would ask that all-important question, tell me about your book, and people would go, Wa wah wah-wah, 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 wah-wah. <laughs> And I saw for myself that we can create something that we really care about that has value. That's whether it's a business, whether it's a product or a service. And yet if we can't pitch it or if we don't have a compelling name for it or an attention-grabbing tagline, it's going to go unnoticed. So I came up with this system called POP. Seth Godin calls POP revolutionary because you don't have to have an MBA you don't have to sit around and hope creative lightning shows up. You don't have to hire a, a multi-million dollar marketing team. This pop process helps you come up with attention-grabbing pitches, titles, and taglines so whatever it is you have to offer gets noticed, remembered, and bought for all the right reasons. Well, we... Uh,
2: can certainly use your help <laughs> <laughs> I was going to
1: say that was short and pissy and very quick and very memorable <laughs> <laughs>
2: well I love the 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 word pissy is one of my favorite words in the English language
7: <laughs> you know it's interesting Chicky because pop stands for purposeful O O is original and P is for pissy you know the comedian Jonathan Winters said I have a photographic memory I just haven't developed it yet <laughs> Well, you know, most people haven't developed a photographic right. memory. So with our name or our elevator speech or with our company tagline or slogan, if people can't repeat it, they can't remember it. And if they can't remember it, how are they going to find us online or how are they going to refer us to someone Absolutely. else? You know, how are they going to buy our service? So being pithy, precise and concise and compelling is one of the keys to a name that pops.
2: Well, and you certainly have done that in in crafting who you are, because I love it that you call yourself an intrigue expert. And what a perfect name to pique the interest of people to dig further, to buy your book, to listen to your, uh, you know, your online uh, clips that you have on your website, and, you know, hopefully to hire you as a speaker or a consultant. So it works. It works, Sam.
7: You know, Chiki, that's good news. In fact, for all of our listeners, they can be intriguing, too. And you know what? You can test any time you want for free whether you have an intriguing business name or whether you have an intriguing elevator speech. You know how you do it? Just tell people your business name or tell them your campaign slogan or, or give them your elevator speech and watch their eyebrows. Because, see, if their eyebrows knit or furrow, it means they didn't get it, and if they didn't get it, we won't get it because if people are confused, they won't ask for clarifying communication, which means that they're going to you know, leave that Chamber of Commerce meeting not having any idea what it is we have to offer, or they're going to finish that article, and they won't even remember it 30 seconds later. We want the eyebrows to go up. Because when we give people our business name or our elevator speech or our slogan, if their eyebrows go up, it means they're curious. It means they're intrigued and engaged. They may even say, tell me more. Now we have our foot in their mental door.
0: Well, the
2: thing I loved, uh, and I listened to your, your little clip last night on your website, and one of the things that really stuck in my head is that you encouraged people to think of a question that you can ask someone uh, you know, about their business. Can you tell us about that concept? Because that, that, I thought, was
7: very, very powerful. I'm so glad you brought that up, Chickie, is because you know we all give ele- elevator speeches every single day. I mean, when we go to the Bark Park, people say, what do you do? When we go to the gym, people say, what do you do? When we go to a conference or a trade show, people ask that, what do you do? From now on, I'm going to suggest don't tell them, <laughs> because, see, the purpose of an elevator speech is not to explain what we do. Um, did you see the movie Beaches with Bette Midler, by any yes. chance? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Cried all the way through it, but yes. <laughs> Take out stock in Kleenex, huh? <laughs> yep. Well, she has this great line in there. She says, well, enough about me. What do you think about me? <laughs> <laughs> see, most elevator speeches are all about us, and that is not the purpose of an elevator speech. It is to give people a hook on which to hang a conversation. So let me tell the quick story behind this, and then I'm going to make a radical suggestion that will change your answer to that question, what do you do from this day forward. Sound good? Sounds great. I'm on a speaking tour with my sons, and we have a night free, so we go down to the Hotel Concierge. And we say, what do you suggest? Well, he took one look at my son's, and he said, you got to go to D&B's. Well, we're from Maui at the time. We had no idea what he was talking about. So we said, what's D&B's? Chickie, this was a smart young man because he did not explain what D&B's was. Because if he had, it would have gone something like this. Well, it's kind of like a sports bar, but... Well, you know, it's kind of like almost an indoor amusement park like it's got. See, the longer he talked, the more confused we would have become. Right. (laughs) Instead, he asked a question. He said, have you ever been to a Chuck E. Cheese? And the boy said, yes. Then he closed the deal by saying, well, D&B's is like a Chuck E. Cheese for adults. Bingo. About seven words, we knew exactly what it was, (laughs) and we wanted to go there. So now, all of our professionals who are listening, I'll give you another example and then make this suggestion that can absolutely change the way you meet people, whether it is at the Bark Park, whether it's in the boardroom. I was speaking for Inc. 500, and this is why the POP session was one of the top-rated sessions, and this includes everyone from Seth Godin, the author of Tribes, and uh, Tom Peters in Search of Excellence, and Jim Collins' Good to Great. Why? Why? Well, because we worked on people's elevator speeches. Now, here are individuals running multi million dollar companies, and yet when you ask, What do you do? Wah wah, wah wah, wah wah, wah wah.
1: <laughs> I asked one woman
7: who is Oklahoma Entrepreneur of the Year, said, What did you do? Kiki, she said something about medical facilities, diagnostic services. Everyone's eyebrows were knit or furrowed. We had no idea what she was talking about. And finally I said, what in the real world do you offer that we can touch or see or hear or taste? She thought about it for a moment, and then she said, well, I operate the medical facilities that offer MRIs or CAT scans. Ah, we're getting closer now. (laughs) However, turn that into a question. From now on, when people ask her that question, she's going to say, have you, a friend or a family member, ever had an MRI or a CAT scan? They're going to give you what's called FI, free information. Maybe they'll say, oh, yeah, my son hurt his knee playing soccer. He had a CAT scan. Oh, well, you know, I operate the medical facilities that offer the CAT scans like your son had. Oh, you know, or, oh, yeah, you know it's um you know, I had an m r i before I had some surgery last year. Oh, well, I offer the medical facilities that offer the mRIs like you had before your surgery. Oh, see the eyebrows go up now, when we get free information, we tailor our response to confirm the connection. One other quick example, and then we're gonna once again. From now on, when you're asked this question, you don't explain, ask, so that we link instead of lecture. I was speaking for Young Presidents' Organization, same situation, multi million dollar entrepreneurs, and yet when you ask them what they do, it was often so complex that the longer they tried to explain it, the more confused we became. I asked one gentleman, and he said something about software and computers and had no idea. (laughs) Finally, I said, what do you offer that we, in the real world, that we can see or hear or touch or taste? He said, well, I make the software that makes it safe for you to buy things online. Bingo! (laughs) Now, see, that's much clearer. Now turn it into a question. Have you, a friend or family member, ...ever bought anything online. Oh, yeah, my daughter's on eBay all the time. Well, I make the software that makes it safe for your daughter to buy things on eBay. Oh, and we're off to a meaningful conversation. We just go fast forward through that meaningless chit-chat, and we get to something that that person cares about, and now we're off to hopefully turning that stranger into a client or to a friend or to our word-of-mouth advertiser.
0: Yeah, I was
2: going to say, we uh, we interviewed a few weeks ago uh, Andrea Siddig-Rolf, who, who talks about turning folks into ambassadors,
0: mm-hmm. and
2: what a powerful tool POP would be, you know, coupled with, with some of the things that she has, has put together as well. I mean, that that's just really empowering, Sam. And and I've got to tell you, I mean, I was laughing as you were talking about that, because uh, over the course of the last two and a half years, I, I had... Uh, both with my own money and, and my husband's money and, and uh investors' money built a technology company. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, we sat with investors or different folks and you know, couldn't cut through all that clutter. And, you know, how empowering would it have been just to say, when you were a kid, did you ever take a road trip? And did you watch your dad unfold the maps and do the planning on the dining room table? And, you know, and and taking them through that rather than saying that we had built this incredible technology for road trip planning, you know.
7: Boy, Chickie, see, isn't it amazing the dramatic difference? This really is, pop is communication that connects. It's putting ourselves in the mind of our customers and asking what's meaningful to them, what do they care about, and how can I package what it is I have to say in a way that gets their eyebrows up so they actually want to know more about what it is we have to offer. In fact, you just said something really important. Um, did you see the movie Pretty Woman by any chance? Yes. Well, uh, that movie was directed by Gary Marshall. And Gary Marshall came to the Maui Writers Conference, and he said something, and I remember it as if he said it this morning because it's had a huge impact on all of the pop consulting and the speaking that I do around the world. He said, Hollywood directors can predict when their movie will make money, and it's when people walk out of the theater repeating something they heard word for word. Because, see, if you walk out of a theater saying, make my day, or I'll be back, or show me Welcome money, to Hollywood, what a <laughs> dream. <laughs> That's exactly right. See, now, you may have seen that movie years ago, yet you're still talking about it. Right. And Bonnie Raitt said, let's give him something to talk about. Right. <laughs> so I'm asking everyone listening, do you have a money phrase? Do you have something people repeat Word for word, after they read your website, or after they read your blog post, or after they hear your elevator speech. Because if they do, then as your other guest said, they're becoming your ambassadors or your word-of-mouth advertisers. And I have three steps that anyone can use to create a money phrase. Want to hear it? (laughs)
2: Absolutely. Oh no, please Sam,
7: don't say it. <laughs>
6: <laughs> no. Some other time.
7: <laughs> okay, so I hope everyone has has paper in front of them because see this isn't just cutesy or cheesy. This is coming up with a phrase that has the power to turn something generic into genius to take you from bankrupt to brilliant, to take you from passé to profitable. So ready? Absolutely. A A is for alliterative. And, Chicky, you already referred to this. However, let's think about the power of this in marketing. If I say these words, bed, toilet, and shower, if I say Dunkin' Croissants, if I say Best Purchase, kind of clunky, huh? Right. Now let's make them alliterative. Best Buy, Dunkin' Donuts, Bed, Bath, and Beyond, Dirt Devil. See, when you make something alliterative, it makes it instantly eloquent. It makes your language lyrical. And the power of giving your product an alliterative name is role modeled by Jay Sorensen. Do you drink coffee or tea by any chance, Chickie? Uh, way too much coffee. <laughs> well, have you ever burned your fingers on one of those really hot cups of coffee at Starbucks? Yes. Do you know those cardboard insulating sleeves that you put around the coffee so you don't burn your fingers? Mm-hmm. See, now for all of our entrepreneurs listening, it would be hard to build a business around a cardboard insulating sleeve. Because see, you know, it's it's tough to remember that name, you can't repeat it, if you can't repeat it, you didn't get it. So Jay Sorensen saw a marketing opportunity. He used a pop technique and he called that Java Jacket. That is now a multi-million dollar business. Jay says that customers who meant to call his competitors call him instead because see they can't remember the other guy's name, they remember his name java jacket keeps him top of mind for his customers, which means money in his pocket, in his bank account. So A is for literative. Now we're talking about an airtight sound bite that becomes a money phrase. So A is for alliterative, and I is for inflection, and iambic meter. If you put it in a beat, you make it easy to repeat. Put it in a beat, you make it easy to repeat. If I said I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Oh. Hey, hey. Now, see, it could have been years since you heard that slogan, yet it was on the tip of your tongue and the top of your mind because they put it in a beat that made it easy to repeat. Takes a lickin' and keeps on...
1: Lickin'. There
7: you go. <laughs> now, also, there was a very famous broadcaster who died a few weeks ago. And yet he turned common words into his signature slogan. I'm going to say these common words, and I bet you'll both be able to tell me who this was. He said, and now, pause, pause, pause.
1: The rest Uh, of the story.
7: Da, 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 da. And who was that?
1: I never can remember his name,
7: though. (laughs) Paul Harvey. Harvey. Paul Harvey. That's right. Now, of the, of the thousands of broadcasters... It could have
2: also been, here's Johnny. <laughs> <laughs>
7: there, see? And, and those are iconic signature yep. phrases. Now, Chickie, I know that you do a lot of speaking, and I bet a lot of our listeners, in addition to their business, they know that when they speak for their Chamber of Commerce, when they speak for their NABO Association, when they speak for a conference, that they are word-of-mouth advertisers, they are ambassadors for their business. So here's the question. Do you have a signature phrase that is associated solely with you? Because if people are repeating something they heard word for word with your distinctive inflection, can you hear me now? <laughs> you know, let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> it means your marketing message has legs, which means you're getting more bang for your advertising buck. So A for alliteration, I for iambic meter and inflection, and R is for rhyme. Rhyme is sublime. Shop tell you.
1: Drop.
7: That's right. Now, the the US government wanted to encourage people to wear their safety belts, so they came up with this fantastic slogan, buckle up for safety. <laughs> <laughs> so are you motivated to buckle up for safety? Only because
2: I remember the song from when I was a kid. Buckle up for
7: safety, buckle up. <laughs> well, see, and now, by the way, guess what? They put it in a beat, which made it easy to repeat, right? That's right. However, they have come up with a much better slogan, and if you're looking for a company slogan or for a tagline for your cause, to the degree you put it in an airtight sound bite is to the degree that people remember your cause, your campaign, your charity or nonprofit out of the thousands competing for their attention because the new slogan is click it or ticket. <laughs> right. Now that's a brilliant money phrase. Now that's it's just fantastic. one of 25 pop techniques that people can use to get whatever it is they care about noticed, remembered and bought for all the right reasons.
2: And, Chris, I've been dominating the question, so I'll uh, step back
1: now and let you jump in. I, 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 I actually just – letting Sam loose is, I think, the perfect <laughs> <laughs>
7: Absolutely. Well, then, shall I run into another question? Shall we go? <laughs> Please. <laughs> well, I, I bet some of our listeners are going, you know, Sam, I'm a coach, or I have a florist shop, or I have a deli. And there's a lot of competition. And they're thinking, how can I break out instead of blend in? Because they know that, that blending in is for arts, not for companies. <laughs> and yet when you have a lot of competition, how can you get noticed? Well, use what I call the enterprise example. Identify your POD, your point of distinction, because it is the quickest way to cornering a niche. Here's an example. Enterprise wanted to enter the extremely competitive, multi-billion-dollar car rental agency market. But, hey, Hertz and Avis had 81% market share. Now, how can you enter a market that's already owned by two big boys? Well, you study what they do, and then you zig where they zag. What do all the competitors have in common? well they're all situated by the airports so you don't situate
1: by the airports
7: where you're going to go head to head with the big boys right. you do the opposite instead of the obvious and you situate in neighborhoods right now what do none of your competitors offers that customers would really like well that <laughs> Pick up and drop off service. That's right. So see, you offer the one thing that everyone wants that no one else offers. And now, Chickie, with your background in transportation, you know who is the number one car rental agency in the world now?
2: It's Enterprise. And actually, there, there's another story behind it, which I only know because of the $7 million I invested in the drive market. And that is only only 8% of all travel, overnight travel in this country, is by air. So enterprise, whether they did that, uh, you know, by design or just, you know, to to break away from the mold, actually is tapping into the 88% of people who drive when they travel.
7: See, isn't that a fascinating statistic, Chickie? And see, you're bringing up such a good point is that, We may have listeners on the call who are thinking, but I don't have a multi-million dollar business, you know. Right. Well, all we have to do is walk out into the neighborhood or into the area where we're going to be situating our business and just ask people, what do you want that you can't find? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. They'll tell us, Chicky.
2: <laughs> you bet, you bet. When it, you know, and it's so funny that you say that, Sam, because there there is so much money being spent trying to predict what people want, mm-hmm. you know, based on past behavior, and and you know that that isn't an adequate predictor because they forget about situation and uh, an intent, which which is missing in most of what we do.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, Sam, you you've talked about just a lot of really amazing things. You know, this whole notion of of an attention grab business name, um, you know, this whole issue of point of distinction, interjecting the, the money phrase, which is actually my favorite uh, out of everything that you've talked about, and then also, uh, you know, the the whole issue of the compelling elevator speech that comes out of the question versus the explanation, which um you know, I have had such a long history of explaining what I do that I am just so happy now to be freed from all of those words, <laughs> and you know, to to create that compelling uh, elevator speech, both for me personally in my consulting and in in the companies where I have products. Um, what what do you most often speak to people about? I know you do a lot of public speaking. You know, Inc. magazine's annual. Uh, conference and and that you uh, are are called upon frequently what's the top thing uh, that they want you to talk about that's actually produced the most dramatic results
7: i'm I'm so glad you asked that Chickie is that what people want to know is is you know can I do this myself because i you know i'm not creative, they say, or i don't have an MBA, or i don't have you know five or six or seven figures to pay somebody. to to do this for me and the good news is that's what the pop process is i mean that's why seth godin calls this revolutionary this is why jeffrey gittimer says this is the new way the best way to build buzz and ken blanchard says that this is a lively guide to getting heard getting remembered and getting results and the good news is you can do this yourself is that when i speak for organizations across the country you know, when I'm on MSNBC or Business Week or Smart Money, I give people these 25 techniques. They can go out to lunch with the book or the, they can listen to the CD on the way home, and they're going to be able to come up with a name that can make the difference between something they care about, you know, getting overlooked and having to get free media attention. In fact, can I share another one of my favorite success stories?
2: Absolutely. We've got about three minutes left, so that's a good, good thing to uh, end
7: on. Okay. Uh, very quickly then, there was a restaurant in the Washington, D.C. area that wasn't getting anyone to their happy hours. Why? Well, they're one of many. We don't want to be one of many. We want to be one of a kind. So they kept looking for their P.O.D. They noticed that one of their loyal patrons brought in his dog and actually tied it up outside while he came in for a cold one. Eureka! Why not have a happy hour for dog owners who could bring in those poor pooches who'd been cooped up all day long? They could put out dog biscuits and water bowls. Now, what do you call this? See, you use a pop technique called alphabetizing, where you run your keyword through the alphabet, changing the sound of the first syllable to match the corresponding letter. So, see, Happy Hour, Happy Hour, Bappy Hour, Happy Hour, Dappy Hour, Yappy Hour. hour. You eventually get to Yappy Hour. Now, if you're thinking, okay, big deal, clever name, well, you bet it's a big deal. Media is always looking for the next new thing. The Washington Post wrote an article about the Holiday Inn Alexandria, Virginia Yappy Hour. It was picked up by a 100 newspapers around the United States, and now for free, And for a POP technique, not only are they making money hand over fist, millions of people know about their business for a little elbow grease, mental elbow grease, and for a POP technique and for free. Wow.
2: That is very, very cool. Well, Sam, uh, as we are closing, can you tell folks where they can find out more about POP? And I believe that you're also offering our listeners a specially discounted
7: package. So can you tell us about that? You bet I am. They're welcome to go to my website. It's very easy to remember. It's SamHornPop.com. So it's S-A-M-H-O-R-N-P-O-P, SamHornPop.com. And on there, there's some video clips. There's some free articles. There's information about that uh, special on my pop book and CD with all of these techniques that they can use immediately and if you're thinking, Sam, I want to consult with you one-on-one so I can expedite this and come up with an attention-grabbing name that gets me national recognition and sales, well, then there's information on that website, or they can email me at info at Or if you're thinking, boy, our small business administration chapter needs to hear about this, go ahead and email me, and we'll talk about when I'll be in your area and maybe can present to your organization or conference.
2: Great, and I understand you're also doing an upcoming workshop at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. When is that?
7: Uh, You bet. That is May 15th at the historic National Press Club. Uh, We will be inspired by all of the genius minds that have graced the halls of the National Press Club. It's from 9 to 4 that day. You have the privilege of immersing yourself in your priority project, and believe me, we'll be popping out all over with the very smart people who have already signed up and in one day, you can come up with marketing copy, you can come up with taglines, titles, names for your products and services that make all the difference in whether or not they blend in, which is for Arts, or they break out and uh, put money in your pocket and make a difference for your customers. Well,
2: Sam, thank you so much, and I am uh, definitely going to be in touch with you uh, to follow up on, on all of my personal needs to pop.
7: <laughs> thank you so much. And, and Chris and Chickie, I've enjoyed having a chance to share these pop techniques, and I hope that your listeners are able to uh, run with some of these ideas and uh, come up with something that really helps their cause or company or creation uh, get noticed for all the right reasons.
1: Great. Sam, thank you
7: you're welcome okay take care bye for now all right
2: great and now i'm going to bring on my other co-host of the show
1: and i'll be leaving you so have a wonderful half hour all right chris
2: take care and i will see you on thursday bye okay and uh pamela do i have you on the phone i am here how are you today Great, great. Let me get our guest on, and I will let you jump right into the introductions. Excellent. Okay, good morning. Good morning. Pamela. <laughs> can I get you to introduce our guest this morning?
4: Yes, absolutely. We are very uh, lucky to have with us today Tevis Trower, uh, who is the founder and president of a company called Balance Integration, which is all about helping corporations and their employees lead more balanced work lives and be happier at work through yoga and other forms of training. Tevis also has a very impressive corporate background herself, um, so I think she's a great example of someone who escaped from corporate America to start a very successful business and uh, has some great advice to share with with fellow entrepreneurs so welcome thanks for joining us thanks
6: so much Pam it's really a pleasure to be here and I have to say I really enjoyed hearing uh, the previous segment I'm I'm tempted to make my way to uh, that workshop oh
2: no kidding I I, uh, well we actually started our day talking about uh, this organization called Billionaire Babies about empowering kids to be uh, entrepreneurial leaders which uh, you know, just was absolutely fascinating. And unfortunately, on the 15th, I'm going to something called Enterprise Village with my daughter's fifth grade class, where they're learning how to run businesses all day.
0: Oh, wow. So, um,
2: you know, I, I am just so excited about doing that. So I won't be able to get up to Sam's program, but I definitely want to uh, tap into her. She is just amazing. So tell us a little bit about your background and how, how you made your escape and, and why you made your escape.
6: Thanks so much. Um it's funny you're talking about the billionaire babies and uh, the camp that you're going to with your daughter. I think um, the lessons that are being taught um, in these types of engagements are actually spot on with why I left corporate America. I um, got the NBA, traveled all over the planet, um, got the fancy title, made um, significant uh, Uh, jumps up the ladder and really enjoyed what I did um, for a very, very, very long time, really 13 years um, acting in a global capacity in business development. And um, I remember at some point I started asking myself, why is it some people around me really step into their work full on, no matter the drama, no matter the the reorg, no matter how the bombs are exploding all around, right? And um, some folks around me, for some reason, can't wrap their head around that way of thinking. And it started to bother me because I started watching the – the language the attitude the energy the contributions um of people who seem to have taken ownership for how they felt about Uh, their work, as opposed to people who just approached it in kind of an an autopilot kind of way. And it started to really get under my skin, and I I think this is a good point for anyone who's thinking about starting a business, not only what do people want, but what drives you nuts, (laughs) Um, because I started to ask myself, um, why is it that we fall out of love with our work? And really, there's about a year or a two-year period, much like any relationship in which we We um, get the job, and we've got the title, and we've got the compensation, and oh boy, isn't this going to be great? Um, And then reality sets in because our human relationships start to set in, and um, I became so fascinated with this, I felt compelled to quit my job, chuck the VP title, and, um, and really look for tools and, and methodologies, approaches, how do we teach people that they are not a victim of their work? And so for the past eight years, that basically was in 2001, the fall of uh, 2001, and ever since then I've been going into corporations ranging from Yahoo to Google to Morgan Stanley to uh, uh, chanel uh, to disney um looking at how do employees go to work every day and how do we empower them to adopt the most productive mindset not just for the benefit of the company but
4: also for their own
6: well-being and quality of life
4: and so a lot of people that i talk to these days think that this idea of work-life balance is a myth now you obviously dispute that idea um can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I've got to tell you, I actually think it's a myth, too. And
6: I think, oh, it's, I think, it's, I think it's a misnamed phrase. It's a miscued oh. phrase um, that that came to exist um, basically because we didn't have a way to talk about happiness.
0: Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah so
6: this is so so think about it when we talk about happiness at work or um or life satisfaction um there's hard to there there's a hard connection um that begs to be made between the quality of our experience and actually what we're doing um so around the time that 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 we get very, very, very entrenched in work and we begin to see the hours creep, we start to think that our happiness is being sacrificed because of how many hours we work. And um, so we begin to see life and work as somehow being separate, right, i.e., if I'm working, I'm not living. Well, that's not really true. As far as I know, Pam and Chicky, both of you are still breathing, and your hearts are beating, and you're thinking, <laughs> and like, like you're still a life form while you're at work today, correct? Right. <laughs> right? Absolutely. So, so, so the question um, is actually, and please forgive the ambient noise of New York City behind me. I have to say that's <laughs> one of the accoutrements okay. of my small office, but, um, but. The question is more appropriately, not work-life balance, but how connected are we to all the various activities that we engage in throughout the course of our days? Does, um, you could just as easily speak to um, a harried mom who feels completely burnt out by, um, by caring for her kids or, or uh, people who feel um, somehow burnt out by all their social Activities. So the question really isn't, is work the cause of burnout? The question is, how do we cultivate a connection to our own sense of well-being, no matter what we commit to and just how much time and energy it
4: demands of us? That's really interesting. It's almost like people are apologetic about saying that they want to be happy and that they should be happy at work. So work-life balance is almost like, sounds a little bit more professional it sounds a little bit more bottom line driven right so they're free to say they want to be happy
6: (laughs) (laughs) well not only that but uh, but here's kind of the other thing i mean nodding to the media that that it's much easier to create a top 10 list of top 10 you know to do's for work-life balance or how -hmm. to have it all right um calling it work-life balance is a lot more prescriptive i.e all i have to do is check these boxes and i will be satisfied Right now the rise in I think recognition amongst um, the professional circles um, that what we're really talking about is engagement and satisfaction actually begs a lot more accountability and and responsibility on each of our parts, right? We can't just go and demonize our employer and say, oh, it's because I work for this huge corporation and that's why I'm sober now. That's not actually the answer because even if we curtailed our hours and we made it to the gym and we spent time with our kids and we um, ate okay right all these things in place it wouldn't actually answer the question of how satisfied am i in doing everything i do so so the notion that we actually have to step into acknowledging ourselves acknowledging our values and then cultivating um and applying um a higher point of wisdom about who we are and what we need um, from an internal framework as opposed to external oh did i get
4: to the gym today it's a tougher conversation to have, but it's also a more powerful one. Yeah, we're not used to being introspective like that. It's a lot easier to think about balancing the hours on either side of the the line than to actually try to to take the time to be introspective and think about what makes us happy. Right. Oh, and
2: so oh. how do we get to that that authentic engagement? Because I I think that right now corporations are suffering from having, you know, had to cut back into the bone, uh, you know, after already cutting into the muscle and cutting out the fat. And, And they're still left with all the things that they had to get done, but everybody's working harder and, you know, with less resource. And so how do you get people engaged again?
6: I think that's such a great question, and you're absolutely right. I mean, by February of this year, corporate spending on skills development had already been cut by 11%, so, so you're looking at a trajectory for a zero budget by the end of the year. Right. And um, it's it actually brings up the reality that even when companies create these programs, if employees suspect that it's token, or they're being thrown a bone, or it's somehow associated with non-performance, um, it's not going to be a very popular program to begin with. I think that 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 what has to happen um, from the company standpoint, as well as from the employee standpoint. Is the language within the company right the internal communications the 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 profile of the leadership within the company has got to begin to be more transparently focused on how what makes that c x o right uh, successful is how they view themselves and how they participate and engage when employees start to see that 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 the people who are calling the shots at the top actually do make time to go to the gym, or um, maybe um, when they are on the whirlwind tour to Europe to try to drum up their business, they take time out to spend time with their kids via um, Skype, et cetera. When we begin to look at how a successful professional never forgets who they are as a whole human being, then we begin to have a, a permission throughout the organization. To cultivate those practices, not as a luxury, but actually as a sustainable success practice. But but, but it's got to become part and parcel of the corporate acknowledgement of what it means to create a culture of success. So what
2: what is different then for the entrepreneurial world? Because I mean, I I spent close to 20 years in corporate life. I've been out on my own. Uh, for 13 years, have done, you know, kind of the service-oriented business and consulting, which I still do. Uh, you know, I've built a technology company, which, uh, you know, didn't go well uh, yet, and, and I, I think that that story's not over. And, and now, you know, I'm doing this social media company. So what do you tell entrepreneurs uh, about balance Integration?
6: Well, wow. it, it's so funny. I saw a panel um, that included the founder of um, Craigslist, Craig, right, um, and Burt's Bees, and I've heard uh, the founder of Stonyfield speak on this. Um, someone came up from the audience and said, "What about work-life balance? Is it better now that you started your own company?" And the entire panel roared. They thought that was so, so, so hilarious. Like, I which, got to
2: bed at three o'clock last night. I don't know uh, about completely,
6: you, completely, Pam. What time did you go to bed last night? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was actually it was after one, so you know. <laughs> Oh, okay, so, so aspiring entrepreneurs, take note. <laughs> um, work life is not a reason to, to leave corporate America. Um, it, it, it is really true that the major driver of work life imbalance is um, that we as human beings love being productive. Right, we love checking the list. We love saying, "Oh, I got this or that done," and it's consistent in nature. Right, you look in nature, and a tree is is, is blossoming, and 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 animals are charging and hunting, et cetera. So we're geared to be productive and to succeed. Um, when you leave corporate America and you add on. Um, the need to succeed, usually within a very short uh, time frame, right, Uh, depending on what kind of uh, uh, nest egg you've created for yourself. When you add all that onto it, it really becomes a dangerous proposition because it literally is not only the question, is this my passion? I'm now working in my passion. As Francis Ford Coppola said, no matter what you do, even if it's for for passion, eventually it's going to be work, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so... So so the question becomes, if you're looking down the barrel and saying, I really do want to start my own company, I have a passion, it's a viable proposition, I'm going to make a plan to make that leap, you have to ask yourself, what kind of boss have I always wished I would have, right? Mm-hmm. And when you ask yourself that, you have to say, what is ideal, right? Does this mean that... that okay, I know I'm going to be putting in 12-hour days, which is pretty normal for most of us who start our own companies or start a company. Um, How am I going to make sure that I create sustainable success habits within the context of what it means to work so many hours? And this is really kind of part and parcel for all of us, is that if we do not identify habits that we have to cultivate as being, Go to in the moment, under duress um, then then the recipe for burnout and really failure
4: is kind of a matter of time. Hmm. So how do you give how do you cut yourself some slack as as your own boss? I always say that I'm probably the most demanding boss that I've ever had uh, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh-huh. Uh, Try to try to figure out how to cut myself some slack and and still, of course, get everything done that I need to do.
6: Well, it, it's um, so true, and the, this phrase, the sustainable success habits, is actually a list that you can make for yourself. Right, so. When you think of yourself as a human body, right, and you think of yourself as a mind, and you think of yourself as a, um, a social creature, right, you have to think of all the ways that you have to feed and rejuvenate yourself um, for you to continue to have creative ideas, the energy, the passion, the commitment, and literally the ability to keep your eyes open as you two come both the test, right? Mm-hmm. So, so if you break down... What are these categories of self that must be attended to? And just make a list. And then for each of these categories, actually assign for yourself, what are things I can do in two seconds to attend to that? What are things I can do um, once a day? attend to that? What are things I can do once a week, once a month, and once a year? Right. What are the things I must do to attend to these aspects of myself that are literally the drivers, not only of my success, but my sustainability and my, my satisfaction? Because what we're talking about is assigning ultimate responsibility for the quality of your life and output to yourself. So creating some self-mastery around gee do i know myself and then do i know the actions that allow me to
4: take care of myself are really key and what give us an example of of one of those aspects of yourself that might be on on that list and maybe an example of a quickie way that you can give it attention on a daily basis great perfect so um pam did you go to the gym today not yet. <laughs> okay.
6: <laughs> Will you make it to the gym for sure? Today
4: for sure. Definitely. It's it's up in the air at this point. Tomorrow right. for sure, I'm going to be there. <laughs>
6: okay. Okay. Great. So um, so we have some gym days and we have some non-gym days, right? So the question is, you being someone who loves to take care of yourself and knows that uh, being connected to your body helps you feel grounded and clear and with a sense of uh, purpose, right? If you are going to name three things you can do within the course of your day to attend to your body, without reinventing your schedule or somehow inventing a magic two hours that didn't exist five seconds ago. <laughs> I could do that. Oh, my right. God. That be great. Right. So so most of us can come up with even two or th- three things we can do within the course of the day, i.e., we live here in New York City. I'm not sure in Tampa this may be a, a, a whole other set of solutions or Ohio but here's one example I know that if I can't go to the gym I can get off of the train or the bus or walk a couple Mm -hmm. extra blocks to wherever I'm going right? and if I allow myself to be present while doing that and to acknowledge I'm doing it to take care of my circulation of the energy that moves through me I may not have gone on the treadmill but I will have at least attended to myself I can take a moment in between my commitments, and I can take a desk stretch, right? It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be huge. It doesn't have to be glamorous or yoga certified, right? It can just be five minutes of me connecting to me, right? I can ensure that though I can't go to the gym, if I'm going to pick up lunch, I'm going to pick up a lunch that's truly helpful, right? Mm-hmm. So rather than going for the posture or the quick slice or whatever, I can sit down, pull out um, a menu, and order something or run to the grocery store and buy a salad real quick, right? So, so how do you look at the scope of your day and make sure that your body is being attended to, even if it's not the ideal? Right.
4: And not kill yourself because you didn't get in that full <gasps> two-hour workout today.
6: <laughs> yeah, girl, right? That critic in our minds is so- Oh, yeah. sabotaging. I, I, mean, I mean, how often I would sit in my office at Corporate America, and I would have tears in my eyes because I would see, uh-oh, I just missed the 6 o'clock class. Uh-oh, I just mm-hmm. missed the 7 o'clock class. Right. And the sense of violence, while meanwhile, feeling compelled to keep reaching for the phone to make just one more phone call, just one more phone call. And the answer isn't that, that, that we don't make the phone call or that we always go to the gym. There is no always, right? Right. This is really where the brutality comes in. We have to back off mentally from these messages that say that we should have it all or, quote-unquote, do it all, right?, Um, just back off and say, what is possible for me in this moment right now, and how do I attend to myself as best I can? And that's um, kind of the message, whether it comes to taking care of your mind or cultivating a social life or spending time with your family. It's really cultivating compassion and awareness in all of these areas and finding actionable small things that allow you to feel like you're not um, selling your mind, body, soul, social life family down the river.
4: That's important. And it's interesting because when you're in a corporate job, you feel like, you know, it's, it's your boss, the man is keeping you down. And when you're an entrepreneur, it's it's really your own inner critic, your own inter, inner slave driver.
6: <laughs> Baby, the man lives in your head. Right? <laughs> that,
3: that's terrible to, to realize,
6: isn't
4: it? <laughs> well, no, it's, I, it's, I, it's, Go I ahead, think, I'm sorry.
2: I want to bring up something just in, in we've got uh, just under 10 minutes left. And, and there, there's something that, that's actually prominent on your website that really hit me. And, and it's you know a very concise way to, uh, to think about getting yourself into that place of balance. And it's the feel better, think better lead better. Can you tell me what is, is behind that? Is, is that a whole methodology that you use or a framework that you, you hang your, your consulting around?
6: Absolutely. Well, the thought being um, that we cannot function impactfully if our bodies are not functioning and we have not really looked at how we think and how we process, right? So my ability to act impactfully and effectively. Right, um, is not going to be optimized until I have actually turned inward and said, well, how am I treating my body and how am I cultivating the frameworks and the perspectives that allow me to see any situation in the most positive or the most effective way. Right. So when we sit down with corporations, oftentimes they'll say to us, we don't want any of that yoga stuff. Right. None of that. That's that's odd. It's weird. We don't want that. But we do want you to work with our employees on how to cultivate greater ability to create new solutions. Right. And so the, they'll bring us in at the think-better level. Right, Sometimes corporations come to us and say, oh, no, 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 we have plenty of solutions around that. All we want for you to do is to help our 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 employees have a solution so that they can take care of their bodies because none of them can make it to the gym, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll work with companies at that end. When we work with companies in terms of how the leaders um, um, take action it's really a question of not just the people that we call leaders, right This is really the mistake that that um, that I think a lot of companies, families, uh, social groups, and networks fail to acknowledge is that the leadership happens in every action that we undertake in concert with each other, right? So the leadership can happen by how the customer service rep answers the phone, right? The leadership can happen by how the shipping clerk um, treats us when we um, hand a package in, et cetera. So, so so, how do we begin to heighten a sense of, of that, that that leadership responsibility, no matter where we are throughout the chain of relationship uh, that we call the corporate structure? And, you um, what this framework allows us to do is really look at how do we evolve the relationship between self and work, both individually, me as an I, right, and collectively, us as a we, throughout the corporation. So that it's less about um, um, reinforcing a victim and slave driver type of a culture and really saying, how do I come to work and how do I participate and how do I take responsibility for who I am in the midst of that? Okay,
2: well, that is just really, really helpful. I'm going to uh, work on uh, employing some of those principles uh, in my life because, uh, you know, when, especially when you're trying to balance not only a single entrepreneurial venture uh, but multiple ones, you know, balance just becomes so much more critical. Well, in, in the couple of minutes that we have left, um, can you tell folks how they can get in touch with you?
6: Absolutely. Um, you can find me on the website, and that's at balanceintegration.com, and um, you can find me. I present um, throughout the country, and I'm, I'm actually heading to Latin America to present for the Harvard the Harvard Business Review in June in Lima, um, so you can check out the website. It's not posted yet, but we're looking at June 16th for a date. And um, if you'd like to get in touch and um, either sign up for the newsletter and get free tips, I'm also the work-life expert for um, for WebMD, and you can reach me at tevis, T-E-V-I-S, at balanceintegration.com. Okay, wonderful. Well, I really,
2: really appreciate uh, you taking time to be on on the show with us today. And we will be uh, promoting this out to our network and and hope that you'll do the same because the show uh, can be downloaded and and listened to on demand. And uh, I hate I hate to cut out short, but I just got a call that my little boy may have broken his leg. So oh, uh, my, my husband is rushing to pick him up at school, and I've got to meet him at the hospital.
6: That's I a little know. work-life reality, check.
2: Absolutely. So <laughs> if you guys uh, believe in prayer, I would just ask you to lift my little guy up. I'm, I'm doing okay. it already. We'll
4: thinking good okay. thoughts. His name,
2: his name is Sergey.
4: Okay.
2: All right, guys. Well, thank you so much so much, and uh, I will be talking to you soon. Thanks so much, Chickie. Okay.
0: Thanks, Pam. Okay. Thanks, fellas. Bye.
2: Bye-bye. Thank you so much uh, for joining us on Solutions Live. Uh, we just hope you enjoyed the show and uh, are leaving your own life. Thank you.